All right. Joseph, it's been like a few days since the party. And you receive a message from Whitecliffe uh, telling you to report for some diagnostics. But instead of the usual place you get your diagnostics in like a garage, um, she tells you to meet her inside the SUEPD division, which is where your friends were interrogated not that long ago. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think I'm a little worried, but I'm, I'll head straight there. Great. Uh, you show up. You are escorted in by one of the people who work there. These like G-men, basically. Are they? Is there any like? Do I notice any difference in their behavior around me? Do they still treat me like a just a tin can? Or are they like, well, we've seen what this guy has done in 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 fights? Uh, these guys are definitely to treat you like a tin can. Like, okay. <laughs> like go go in here. Like follow us. Um, yeah. th- they you know scan you. I think maybe they take some of your like integrated weapons, like disable them. They have like, a scripts to do that. Uh, and you kind of notice immediately as you go inside this building that there's, <clears throat> there's no signal going in or out, just like a total black box. Uh, and you are led to one of these kind of featureless beige rooms where there's a, a diagnostics chair located, pretty similar to what you usually use with uh, maybe some slight modifications, which... Uh, you're not sure what they do, but it seems a little beefier, this one. Okay. Um, uh, I was just going to quickly ask, have I been here before? Like, do I know this place? I don't know. Because, like, that. they typically come to me when I'm, like, in my little hangar. Like, I don't know if I've ever been to their, <laughs> basically, police station. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, they do usually come to you. They kept, yeah. They've kept you outside of here. It doesn't seem like this is a place where they... Like, you don't know. It's it's not really clear what this place is even for. <laughs> Maybe I don't even have any memories if I did go here. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Sure. Um, uh, but Whitecliffe is here, and she kind of gestures for you to lay down and says, let's get started. Nice to see you as well. Um, I waltz in, and I take a seat on the chair. Cool. She plugs you into it. And starts the diagnostics. You feel the familiar slimy crawling sensation as your file system is looked over. Uh, there is a slight difference here than before when you've had diagnostics, where whenever the software gets close to some files that Contrition has edited, it takes a sudden turn away from those changed parts of you to some like decoy data that has been put in there, which you only now are aware of that that is even there. Uh, Whitecliffe does not ask you the usual diagnostic questions as she like looks over the reports. Um, if you remember from like your first vignette, she usually asks you like this, these series of questions, a lot of them kind of meant to elicit a response from you just to like yeah. see your reaction. Um, like Blade Runner, all of hey. our favorite movies. You are free to talk to her because she's just going to leave you in silence and isn't like ready to like initiate anything yet. Um, but that's totally up to you. Um, yeah, I think. Joseph's maybe feeling a little bit more confident. And during the silence, he might just say. Did you ever meet with Mahogany? She kind of laughs. It's kind of like it's kind of a mean laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she said, no, I did not meet with Mr. Cola. Congratulations. He is persistent. Yes, he certainly is. But she kind of just trails off. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be quiet now. Um, 
she kind of a lot some time passes like maybe like five minutes and she looks over the tablet in front of her again and you kind of see something about her change her like hardened implacable expression uh melts away and you see as horrible as it is to imagine a person under there um she looks afraid almost for a moment as she kind of begins to speak and she says this story has been completely suppressed by the soul union in 2234 an early generation class 3 colony management ai sent the emergent personalities division a diagnostics log which was unexpected this being anomalous behavior we initiated an investigation and at the time our division was taken a little less seriously so once the wheels of bureaucracy had turned it had taken six months to get there when they arrived nobody responded to their hails now when you arrive at a planet and nobody is there to take your call you assume the worst uh these earlier models especially did not have the safeguards we have nowadays so once they go off the rails they can get away with a lot if nobody stops them in person so anyways we show up armed to the teeth with pulse weapons tuned so high that they'd cause brain damage and even organic beings and we start looking we start with the starport and right away we see some real bad news hundreds of ships some of them not even supposed to enter the atmosphere of the planet just sitting on the ground some of them crash landed with such incredible intent debris trails weaving in between other ships there were paths together many of them not with even feet between them but all were in somewhat working order they were mostly long-haul ships no passengers nothing that would immediately raise hairs when they didn't report back or took a little bit too long to get to their destination they were all empty and more concerningly they were all connected plugged into each other this is bad behavior and i mean really bad it's called convocation internally this is stuff that has one page in the handbook and it just says fry the whole system under it because convocation means that a class 3 ai thinks it's not smart enough and trust me class 3 ai are pretty fucking smart i'm sure you know the one thing that stopped us from hopping into orbit and blasting the planet's magnetosphere away with a pulse bomb was that none of the ships were on in fact nothing was there wasn't a single detectable amount of electricity anywhere so the team keeps going toward the center of the colony they don't find a single soul on the way some of them stop in some houses boot up personal terminals and all of them are about the same story business as usual people going about their lives up until about two nights ago but the problem with this is that it doesn't make any sense because those ships had been landed for months and there's no entry about people crash landing here there were video calls and voice calls off planet but nobody in any of those recordings had said anything weird about something going on so two nights before they had arrived everyone's gone but why what happened anyways they get to the center of the colony classic layout main hub building and the colony admin there and beneath it is where the ai lives huge server room pretty typical although this one was triangular because of some issues with the initial dig out like outside everything is shut down it's pitch black and they're moving towards the center and they're all freaked out uh, i don't blame them i listen to the recordings they get there and in the middle of the room where the main server stack should be is a piece of gold about the size of a marble the team pokes around a bit, finds nothing else, 
blows up the server room just to be safe, and goes home. All 52,246 disappearances are logged as being from a freak solar flare. It makes the news, and yeah, it's tragic, but these things do happen to colonies sometimes. We cover up everything else, pull the ships out, throw them into the sun, and now it's history. We test the gold marble. It's 100% pure, and not 24 karat pure, I mean chemically perfect. No other trace metals, impossible to replicate, not even in our best labs. It's likewise a perfect sphere, not a single atom out of place. We have no explanation, no understanding. Where did those people go? Why were there no signs? How did these ships get there? How do we stop it from happening again? How do we know it's not already happening again? All we have, and all we know, is that diagnostic report. And at this point, Whitecliffe pulls out a sheet of paper, which is a diagnostic report, just like, completely devoid of any information, except in the body of it is the single word, alchemy. Um... She showing this paper to my face? Yes. Yeah, I don't think Joseph would take this paper. I think he'd probably just... <laughs> I think he just stares at the piece of paper, unsure what to say, and just repeats alchemy. Yes. I'm telling this to you, not because I want you to understand the perceived irrationality of these higher levels of understanding, or because you deserve to know why emergent personalities are treated the way they are, but because... The death toll came in for Clearwater Crater, and it was exactly the same as the number of disappearances on that colony. 52,246. Probably a coincidence, but it spooked me. And, uh, more importantly, I'm about to reset the chunk of your memory that contains this story, so it doesn't matter if I vent it to you. Well, would you allow me a question? Sure, why not? Are you scared of what I can become? Yes. And then she begins the reset process. You may resist this if you'd like. Let's do it. You know what? Let's try. Sure. So that's just going to be a resistance roll. It would be... So you're going to click the word, word that says resolve on your character sheet. And you will take that much stress once it's done rolling. So no modifier, mm -hmm. just resolve. Here we go. Okay. Ooh. You get three stress. Okay. I think, how do you prevent her from wiping this memory? Do you just like, manage to stunt this story somewhere else before she clears it? I was thinking maybe like, what if there is, like, what if she does succeed that she does wipe his memory from that room? But what Joseph was able to do is not like remember this memory, but he was able to write down that story in his mind. So when he leaves, he realizes like in his data banks, like why is there a story that he reads and he sees like it was dated at that time and said by Wycliffe. It was like he left himself oh. the memory. Sure. Sounds cool to me. Works for me. Uh, yeah, she kind of resets it. I guess since it's in your data bank and not here presently, you do feel like time just kind of passed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Wycliffe, you kind of see her folding a piece of paper and tucking it into her jacket. And she says, Okay, Joseph, it all checks out. Everything good? Everything's just great. Wonderful. Well, I hope I can see you again. And he gives a little thumbs up. And I think with that, she lets you go. 
Geist. It has been a few days since the party. Uh, Ziggurat, as promised, has scheduled you back to the testing range to work on some of the more advanced functions of the changeling. Last time you were here, you experienced a type of psychosis where you lost track of your body inside the changeling and you weren't even able to like eject or move your body, if you remember that. Yes. Uh, so Ziggurat is here, waiting underneath a small pop-up shade with a portable computer suite. Uh, another frame is here as well this time, which is pretty obviously to you an older model of Changeling, which actually pops up with a friendly ID with the name Salt Sand Point Eight. Um, there's Ooh. definitely a lot in common between your two frames, though this one doesn't seem to be designed to fly. There's like no wings or jet thrusters that you can see at all. Okay, um, so am I, am I here on foot? Yeah, I think you are here with your frame. Um, and I think, you know, you can approach Ziggurat on foot if you need to. But, um, you know, basically as soon as you get it within communications range, she checks in with you and says, Garrett, are you ready to begin your test? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Excellent. Please give me a moment to unlock the changeling software again. And, you know, she logs she logs into your frame. You see, like, a bunch of command prompts just kind of open up on the interior screen and then, like, close themselves down immediately. And you feel this sensation down your spine and then this, I guess, expanded awareness of the frame. Unlike last time where you kind of lost track of your body completely, this time it feels like you are inside of yourself. Um... It's like an infinite matryoshka of Geist inside of Changeling, inside of Geist, inside of Changeling. Not so much <laughs> that you lose control of your body, but it is weird. Like, you can feel yourself moving infinitely up and down in either direction. <laughs> I don't know if this is an improvement or not. <laughs> cool. Uh, Ziggurat's voice comes through and says, How does this feel? <sighs> Feels fucking weird. But I guess better. I mean, I can feel myself still. I can't help but feel it. It's... What the hell did you do? The later model of changelings are... equipped with proprietary software that helps to reduce the latency between pilot and machine. Okay. All right, what's the, what's the test? What's this whole thing here? Today we'll be doing a standard combat test. The Salt Sand is an old, outdated model of the Changeling, full of proprietary technology, so it has been slated for destruction. You'll be fighting it with your full weapons suite. It, on the other hand, is equipped only with laser designation equipment, which will cause simulated systems failure in your machine. Very simple, don't get hit and destroy it. Okay. Alright. And yeah, Ziggurat does not mention who is piloting this frame i think i think guys would ask i think he's like is uh is somebody in there is it being piloted remotely it is an automated technology uh, all right i mean yeah i think i can handle it and guys right. uh hops in boosts fires up all the systems entering combat mode the whole the whole deal Right, I'm gonna make a six step clock. It's called salt sand. Point eight. Okay. Zero point I, eight. 
it's going to show up. It's 6 what o'clock. What color is it? What color is the salt sand? It, it, what color is the changeling? The changeling, I imagine it being like cherry red, because like my first idea for it was that it's like some like tech nerds, like cool prototype idea. So it's like just like, you know, like bright red, like a shiny car, but it's probably all scuffed and dinged and the paint is probably not quite so uh, pristine as it once was. But like a, a bright red is still what I imagine it as being. Uh, did you did you paint it that way or did it come to you that way? I think it came to me that way because I can't imagine Geist, at least especially not when he first started piloting again, uh, doing something, you know, so frivolous as painting his robot a very nice bright color. Sure. The salt sand is a similar base coat. It does have, it's very scratched up, really old. It's definitely seen some combat. Um, and it has some personalizations on it, um, just like old personalizations. They've been like scraped apart. Maybe you see like a fucking, I don't know, some animal motif on it um, that some like, ancient squad used at some point. Okay. Um, the assault stand starts uh, booting up and it kind of just waits for you to make the first move. Kind of like mirroring your movements a little bit. Okay. Geist uh, paces around it a little bit. I'm trying to see what I have. I have two undeclared load on my frame. Um, but I think... What, does it have any visible armaments on it, or would I not be able to tell without a scan? Uh, it has a laser designation rifle, which is basically okay. typically used for artillery designation, but Ziggurat said this will basically just like tag your system and shut down the corresponding things if necessary. Cool. I have a prediction that it's probably going to hurt like hell, given how uh, sympathetically linked into my frame I am right now. But I think Geist is just going to, he's going to kind of just like pace a little bit back and forth, get a feel for like the new, uh, the new connection or whatever. And then um, kind of, he's not really sure exactly what to make of this, but he still anyways kind of goes from like, um, goes from like a steady, easy combat stance to like springing into action for a, not a surprise strike because, well, I mean, maybe a surprise strike. I don't know. He's going to try and basically spring at it very quickly and uh, hit it hard and hit it fast. Excellent. Uh, roll whatever you would like. I don't think I could see this being anything but a battle. Let's see if I can fail another three clock. My specialty, especially in these. The odds are partial. I was almost not a partial. It's a one, a three, and a four. <laughs> take it. Uh, what weapon are you using? The, uh, the, the punch hands. The punch oh, hands. Punch I hands. actually don't okay. have an assault rifle mounted at this moment. Great. Uh, yeah, you go up close to it with your punch hands. Um, it manages to surprisingly bring its gun up pretty quickly and kind of boost backwards and tag you on your shoulder, I think. And you feel a weird simulcra of like getting not shot so much as like numbing, whereas like the sudden like smack and numbing sensation as your arm like servos, which you can kind of feel acutely now, the change things arm servos, uh, kind of droop and like start failing. Um, okay. But you do give it a real good punch. Um, you like scrape along its cockpit, and I think you. I think you hit it in the same shoulder it hit you, um, just like crushing through it. And I think you take it off, honestly, because you're just two ticks out of three. So I think it's like hanging on by a shred. It's now like one-handing this rifle. Um, okay, cool. 
Um, do, do I suffer any, like, temporary... Yes, yes, thank you for reminding me. Uh, yeah, you take the level one damage, numb. I... And you can just mark this as, like, temporary or something, so we don't forget to take it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have armor. Can I go... Does that even make sense in this context, or should I just take the... Should I just take the hit? I think in this context, you should take the hit, unless you have some sort of sure. neural shielding you want to call armor. No, 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 no. This is just uh, this is just regular old armor for sure. Um, I think uh, seeing so he the exchange is not quite what he expects, and so I think what Geist is going to do then is try to um, utilize his superior maneuvering, especially the ability of the, his new changeling to fly, and I think he's going to boost straight up in the air and then transform into combat mode and fire the railgun at it. Which I haven't done in a while. I haven't busted out the, the heavy cans in a minute. But I'd, I'd like to battle rather than bombard. He's keeping it close. Great. Sounds good to me. See it. It's kind of like a... It's the, the idea is like a surprise change in tactics. Yeah. That's another partial. Okay. Five, two, four. Um, your your railgun goes sailing through this thing's cockpit. Um, just like top left corner. Um, the heart, if you will. Right, I'm getting that right? Yeah, top left corner. Uh, the heart. Um, and it just punches right through. You know, in any case, this would be a kind of lethal shot. Um, the pilot, if there was one, would be absolutely <laughs> devastated by it. And you see, like, some sparks shoot out of the inside of the salt sand. And, like, it starts to, like, tremble a little bit and start thrashing around in a kind of concerning way. And a it turns on its haze field. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> no. And you see it hurl the laser targeting rifle off to the side, grab its like limp arm that you deactivated, rips it off of it, and then hops into the air and smacks you with it full strength. Sending oh, you back shit. into the ground. Uh, and you're going to take the <laughs> level two real damage caved in. Cool, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to uh, activate my armor for that one. Oh, yeah. Um, so that just makes it a level one. Level one real armor. Real yes. harm. Real armor. <laughs> real armor. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't think I can justify dropping the quirks before the next operation. So I think I'm just going to have to... Take it. Oh, mm -mm. that would be acuity, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So the good thing is actually because I'm in combat mode right now, I do have one tick in everything. Or wait, no, it would be it would be expertise, right? I actually I don't know. No, it it doesn't matter. Right. I think you're. It, right. yeah. it doesn't matter because in transform mode, I actually do have three dots in both. Um, so I will spend, I'll spend a quirk because I guess it's just kind of six, one half dozen of the other here. I'll spend a quirk. I'll spend direct synaptic interface to say that, um, he's able to just both the new speed with which the changeling moves combined with his armor. He's able to shrug the damage off. Yeah. It feels fucking great in this mode. Um, there's like, even though you do feel that weird sensation of, the millions of selves <laughs> acting out all your uh, all your intents. 
there is definitely less of a delay. It doesn't even feel like it's even responding so much as is acting in concert with you at this point. Um, but it is berserk. There's something very fucking wrong with this frame now. Um, it is like spasming. It is like gripping this its own arm. And it is uh, just kind of like sprinting at you. So yeah, this is clearly like not typical of like just like a basic like combat simulation program. Um, in oh. some very concerning ways, it reminds me a lot of The King Returned. I think, could I maneuver to try my tow cable gambit again? Sure. I'm, I'll have to check it off. I'll mark my good old fashioned uh, grapple anchor tool. Yeah, seeing this guy go crazy and he's trying to get up close. While he's up close, I'm going to um, basically try just like firing the grapple directly into his chest. And then I'm going to try and fly straight up. And um, I'm at, or no, I, I think am I at le I'm at less effect because of the simulated damage, if that's still there. Yes, that's correct. Okay, cool. Then I'll check off my boosted reactor to negate that. Um, and I'm going to try and just basically do the same thing, fling him up into the air, and then since he doesn't have any wings, I should just be able to watch him go and fall down. So we'll see what spectacular way that fucks up. Right now, it's maneuvering time. Failure. Yep, that's a, that's a full, that's a full failure. <laughs> Come uh, on, man! Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you were trying to go into the air, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to grapple and fling him up. Great. You, your grapple hits strong on that cockpit. Um, I think it even like kind of like gets inside that hole you just made with your railgun, and you fly, you know, straight up. You yank on that cockpit, and it ejects the cockpit hatch, just like pulling the the hatch back up towards you. And you look inside the cockpit of the salt sand. And there is a desiccated corpse inside of it with wires coming out of its head and body into the machine. And it is twitching along with the machine as well, in sync with it. Um, oh, no. Um, and <laughs> you... <laughs> um, the changeling moves, like, it kind of jets sideways on its own out of the way of this hatch that's flying up towards you and that feels really weird like you did not put that input in it did not necessarily need to happen um and it has moved on its own and you're going to take the level one harm dissonance and i'm going to move you into a desperate position okay oh fuck okay so we are flying in the air still, right? This is all kind of airborne in limbo. Okay. Um, I think... Oh my god, this fucking sucks so badly. I'm going to... Yeah, I got to. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to push myself with my experimental fine mobility suite, and I'm going to try and, most importantly, fly behind it so to where I can't see into the cockpit anymore, and then dive towards the ground, and then pull up at the last second uh, to kind of try and pancake it without having to look at how fucked up and gross it is. Sure. And because of, yeah, advanced prototype, I get increased effect and plus one die. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, check off roaring fast. That's two quirks down. 
Okay, hopefully I can't fuck up four dice, but, you know. Who knows? Stranger things have happened to me, and by stranger I mean less lucky. I still only got a partial, but I mean, that's probably fine. Desperate. That's probably not so fun. You, you do take a take a check though. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, you go to pancake this thing. You crush it pretty good, like right on the cockpit. You kind of feel your foot slot into that cockpit, and <laughs> you know you wouldn't usually feel it, but in this state you're in, it's like popping. A freeze-dried grape, I guess, or like a one of those, like dipped in liquid nitrogen. It's like crispy, but you can tell it used to be juicy, and it just crushes whatever is in there. Um, and I'm going to just tick the tick the rest of these clocks because um, you have you've disabled this for good. But the consequence I'm going to do back to you is. I'm going to start a clock. Okay. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I'm going to call it a... I think it's going to be six-step clock. Am I allowed to know what it's called? Uh, I need to think of a cool name before I tell you what it is. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'll tell, I'll tell you how you... You, um... You experience it. Like, when you crush down on this on the salt sand and destroy it. It's like one remaining arm kind of like grasps up towards your cockpit. Just like not like thrashing anymore. Just like it's hard to tell what it is trying to do. It's not trying to like hurt you or anything. It's just trying to like touch the outside of the changeling. Um, and like, I think maybe just like the tip of it, its finger does. And you feel this, interference this like kind of flicker in the the geist matryoshka where there are two of you and it's it's very disconcerting like you you feel like for a moment that you are looking from the changeling at yourself in the cockpit from like the internal cameras and likewise you feel like you're looking back at yourself in the changeling from the cockpit um and i am gonna name this clock fragmenting and it is a six-step clock Oh, God. Um, but it is not a clock we have to deal with right now. Yeah. Um, you have won. Congratulations. Uh, cool. As soon as it, um, as soon as the, um, the, the thing is crunched down, guys, the, and the changeling, by consequence, kind of staggers backwards like it's been slapped in the face. Um, and then I think he's going to just give his head a shake, which also shakes the, the head of the mech. And then he's going to turn around. And did you say that uh, Ziggurat's like sitting in the shade? Uh, Ziggurat has yeah. produced a, a large anti-tank rifle. Um, and it's, it was like sighting it in on the salt sand um, <laughs> as, as you turn back. It's hard. It's like three-pronged. Maybe a railgun. You're not really sure what it is. You've never seen anything like it before. But um, kind of raises her hand and like an old military signature, like, are you okay? All good? I, I, is the haze field, does the haze field go away? Yes, it does disperse. When he cries, those guys will just be like, what the fuck was that? Uh, I think that the salt sand may have 
activated some old programming that we thought was inactive. There's a pilot still in there, old programming my ass. No, that's just... Uh, it I'm not an idiot. It's not a pilot anymore. Garrett, you don't need to worry. It moved. I felt it move. It touched me. Why don't you dismount and we can talk about this more once you are unplugged from the changeling? <laughs> I can see why she would be concerned. Yeah, uh, Geis takes a couple deep breaths. He's like, fine. Yeah. And he stomps over, uh, dismounts, assuming he's able to do so without complication this time. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. Yeah, you, you go over to her. Um, she kind of looks you over, concerned. Uh, the, not as much detachment as she usually projects and says, your diagnostics were blocked by the haze field. I'll need to pull them directly from the changeling. Yeah, fine. Sure, whatever. Look, this, this bullshit that we do, all right, don't, I'm completely aware of how one-sided it is. All right, I'm here, you know, using your completely unsafe, untested hardware. I'm cleaning up your fucking dirty laundry, and that's fine. All right, but I need something back. Go on. You know about the virtue retribution, I assume. I mean, you have to. Yes. It is fixated on me. I mean, it keeps showing up specifically to hurt me, or more specifically to hurt my friends. It, the way it moves, have you seen any of its combat footage? All the footage of your frame is transmitted to us. I need a way to stop it. I want to kill him, but I need to make him face me. I need some way to stop that thing he does where he steps through space and appears somewhere else. I don't think there's anybody on this rock who can manage it but you. Alright. I want a, a roll from you. Consort or command? I got one die in both. I say consort. Okay, cool. Um, how much stress is it to push yourself? Two. Two. I literally have three boxes left, so I'm. <laughs> I didn't have enough uh, space in the last downtime to blow off steam. So uh, I think I think I, I think I have to push myself. I think I have to use it. Um, yeah. Let's let's consort. Would you like a devil's bargain? What do you got? Well, I got to tick the fragmenting clock. How many times am I allowed to know? Once. Just once. Just once. I'll take it. Can cool. I stack that with the push for two days? Yes, absolutely. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, let's take it. I'm really good at failing three die rolls, so... That would really suck. That would really fucking suck. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Why? Well, um... Can you... Um, yeah, Ziggurat kind of, like, pulls up some paperwork, essentially, and says, you have essentially no leverage, but I'm willing to make an exchange for you. 
with you. I have ideas for how we could deal with retribution and further augmentations your body may need to work in concert with the changeling. And if those modifications are complete, then I can work on a device for dealing with retribution. Okay, fine. But I need to be the one to kill him at the end. It has to be me. Well, I am more than willing to put you in that position. A couple of things that I should tell you. Uh, first is you need to sign this paperwork. Can I attempt to gather information roll with my zero points in study to try and read it? And see Absolutely. if I can comprehend how badly I'm screwing myself here. <laughs> Let's gather some information. For some reason, I imagine Garrett like pulling out like a pair of like wireframe spectacles as he goes over the paperwork. Let's see how bad. I mean, it's gonna fail. Yeah. Oh, it was oh, six man. and a one. That's, Where were you five rough. seconds ago, you fucking son of a bitch? It. So before you've already kind of waived a lot of your rights to yeah. the, the the vector minds and vis-a-vis -vis the the. Not, not vis a vis. I can't keep using the incorrectly. And also <laughs> the corporate council. Um, the this is very legal work, and and you're not. Maybe Hex would get it, but it's a lot of like terminology that you don't entirely understand. But the the main thrust of it is we own you so much. <laughs> like we can do whatever we want. We already own your frame. We're gonna own your body. We're going to, you know, all that stuff um, in exchange for services rendered from the Vector Minds at their, you know, discretion. I mean, they got they got me by the short and curlies. I got to take it. That's such a bad time to fail a three dice roll. It really is. Um, so you sign it. Um, and then Ziggurat kind of seems not pleased with herself, but, you know eager to get back to work, and says, Excellent. Would you like your same surgeon to be present? Yes. Okay, yeah. Good. Uh, spinal replacements are quite finicky, so her help will be appreciated. I think she, she gives you one thing, which is, from what we have seen of retribution, I believe that what you are fighting is a projection, not the frame itself. Really? Can he do that remotely, or does he have to be close by, physically, in proximity? We don't have perfect data on it, but we know how it looked when it's fought in a number of places, and the farther away it gets from eastern edge of the river valley, the weaker it seems to get. Mm. So he's so, out there. Somewhere. I believe we will have to either create a weapon to deliver damage back through the projection, or at the very least create an opening for us to track the source of that projection. Okay. Alright. Fine. Let's let's get back to work. Good. Your surgery is tomorrow. I've uh, gone ahead and scheduled it. You'll need a couple days of bed rest, but after that, you may actually find the cockpit of the changeling quite restorative as many of your body functions will be suspended during that time. All right, fine, whatever. And I think she starts packing up and just, like, leaves you with, uh, like, a 
a small document outlining your appointment with the, do- the doctor in the Vector Minds um, that like your surgeon has been requested. And then like underneath that is probably a list of 12 medications, prescriptions that you must <laughs> take every day from now on um, and keep on your person at all times. Oh, Jesus. Well, I hope my new co-pilot uh, can give me a hand at least. My yeah, new brain, all- my new brain buddy. It's also worth saying, your frame, you can put one tick in anything that is lower than at three or lower. In um, just like On the, the vehicle primary. skills. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, man. <laughs> what, you mean, you mean two or lower, right? If oh, I mean, sorry, you're right, like... you're right, you're right, two or lower. Yeah, yeah. I assume the intention is that I can't bump something up to a four. Mm, yes, that yeah, is yeah, yeah. I think I could put it in Bombard and get really good at Bombard, but I actually think we should have somebody who's good at Destroy, so I think I'll slap it there. Sure. Uh, I will also say, and you should note this somewhere on your sheet, that sure. you can tick the fragmenting clock whenever you want while in the changeling in exchange as you would for in place of a quirk. Um, well, actually not in place of a quirk, in place of any resistance or push roll. Uh, and you can okay. stack that as much as you would like. Yeah, you're going to go under the knife and think about what you want to look like when we start the next mission because uh, they're going to replace probably your entire back um, and probably the back of your head as well. can't believe my girl Ziggurat would do me like this. Unbelievable. What what does Geist look like as, as Ziggurat just like leaves him here? With, and, like, a truck comes to pick up and drag the corpse of this old changeling away. I think... I think he just hangs his head, and I think he probably crumples the uh, the paperwork in one fist, because he knows that he just got fucking legally raw-dogged, um, and that things are probably going to get much, much worse, and he probably just made a very, very bad deal. But also, he doesn't feel like he had any choice. So, Hex, following the party, uh, you've been given possession of your former co-worker Glint's dog, Little Bippo. From what you've gathered, uh, Glint did not have any other family who the peacekeepers were able to reach, so you have essentially inherited all his belongings and have been tasked with clearing out his apartment. Little Bippo, I I hesitate to even describe what he looks like, but I think he rides the line between, like, horrific and cute, He's he's wrinkly, but he's he's smooth in a weird way. He's he's pug adjacent, I would say. But like if pug's fur was almost more rubbery and smooth instead of like fuzzy. Is this a dog? It is a dog. Wow. Well, I'm sure this has been normalized at this point such that Hex is okay with it. <laughs> so I'll save my present day disposition for myself, but Hex looks at the dog a little like, does the dog look happy to see Hex? I guess that depends. What's, have you met Little Beppo before? No, just through images, and I'm assuming this is in <laughs> Glint's like, abandoned apartment, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, no, so, actually, yeah, I guess so. You you have Bippo now. It's going to take a few days to get you the keys to the apartment. Um, 
But I see. But I assume but you bring just, Bippo with you. Got it. Like, yeah, yeah. Bippo's with me. I assume then he's a little used to Hex at this point. Yeah, he's he's used to you. It's hard to tell his expression, but I imagine little Bippo is like a designer dog. Like mm-hmm. you can get you can get a dog that looks looks pretty similar to what modern day dogs look like. But this is like you get these things. Maybe they're <laughs> maybe they're grown in a vat or something. They're like gene edited <laughs> to be like wow, just like labradoodles. I I spent a lot of time thinking about little Bippo, and I think maybe he sheds like a snake. Oh God! Yeah, I love like, this. Okay, instead of having to so take him to the groomers, yeah, he's hypoallergenic. <laughs> he's self cleaning. So he will like shed his skin, um, and you know sometimes you need to help him a little bit with that. This is getting too gross for, for me, um, but no, I like. Yeah, hey, he's a weird Hex dog. Is, Hex is here for the cause. They've been getting along well. I like to think. Yeah, uh, but okay. So they visit the apartment, and I guess Hex's main objective is just to see what's left, take inventory, and then just take what makes sense to. Yeah. Take out of the apartment. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty clean, uh, a little dusty. It's a one bedroom. It has like a main area with a kitchen, you, you know, like general apartment layout. The, the kitchen, living room are all kind of one room. And then there's a hallway that goes back to the bedroom. Uh, and I'm going to list a, the points of interest so you can actually go over them like at your own pace, wherever you want to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll read these out, but I'm also going to post them in Discord so you can keep track of them. Sweet. So you have... In the main area, you have a pile of pet supplies, you have a calendar, you have two tablet computers on the table, uh, you have the kitchen, and you have a big, like almost a cork board, a future cork board, which is called connection board. And then, oh wow, all these look um, useful. Okay. In the bedroom, it'll just be bedroom, bedroom closet, and then some paperwork that is on his bed. Um, so you can start wherever you'd like. All right. Well, first, Hex wants to just keep little Beppo occupied. So let's go to the pile of pet supplies. Is there any, like, bones or anything? Absolutely. There's a lot of supplies for little Beppo. Designer dog food. There are uh, gene treatments here in, like, little, they're, like, bone-shaped pills. Um, but they come with, like, prescription notifications. They're for longevity. It's like God damn it. Hex like, just kinda <laughs> shakes his head. He's like, God damn it, Glint. Uh it says it'll keep your dog alive for up to two times, and there's a star next to two times um the usual length. Uh and then there's like supplements, cleaning supplies, and of course there are uh some toys. There are is a large designer bed that's kind of like a it's like a tube, a padded tube that you guess he crawls into to feel snug and secure. Um, and then there are little doggy outfits, including the aforementioned tardigrade coat that Glint mentioned to you. Um, and there is even some Bippo-sized backdrops that you guess use for photo shoots. God damn it, Glint. <laughs> kind of looks at the tardigrade a little solemnly and uh, just preps Beppo some food to keep him occupied and puts out the bed before turning to the other items in the apartment. What do you want to go do next? Let's look at the calendar. Anything interesting? Like any dates he was looking forward to? Uh, sure. It is a digital calendar, which is synced to his work calendar. It is packed full of meetings and personal notes. Uh, there's a carefully structured schedule there, including walks, uh, stretches, and little Bippo check-ins. 
uh, snacks and remind and there are a few reminders to keep in touch with Harold. Um, uh, there are birthday reminders for like almost everyone of note on the corporate council, as well as a few people on the peacekeeper side, such as General Wave, uh, Director Germain, and you. There are a lot of personal items like therapy, doctor's appointments, and social gatherings that have clearly been canceled and rescheduled multiple times just in the last month, each time replaced by an urgent work function. Hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> Hex kind of smirks a bit at the reminders to reach out to him. Can you repeat the bit about the work function? Uh, so, like, he canceled a bunch of personal things uh, because for various mm-hmm. work, like, urgent work functions, like emergency meeting regarding, like, recent developments in River Valley, um, acquisition review number two, <laughs> uh, things like that. Damn. Glint was overworked. <laughs> okay, then uh, let's turn attention over to... I assume the two tablet computers are right by this. They are on the coffee table. Are they password protected, or can Hex just get into They're them? They're not. All right, I, so I guess in poking through the f- basic file directories, does he spot anything? So the first one is labeled work. Like, it has a, a tag on the back that just says work. Or maybe it's his bad screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it. It's, it contains a lot of work notes um, that are pretty unsurprising to you. It's like golden going through. It's pretty similar to what you used to have when you had worked in this department. Um, just boring shit. Uh, the other tablet is labeled recreation and it contains books and other media. There are two books that are currently rented in this library. The first is on the role of logistics in contemporary and historic warfare, where he's bookmarked a chapter on the Terra Brea conflict, describing how the peacekeepers are largely cut off from the Soul Union's resources. It has an anonymous quote from within the peacekeepers, which he has circled and put a smiley face next to. Um, (laughs) What's the quote? That quote is... Like a cactus evolves to need water, the peacekeepers in this conflict are adapting to stretch the little resources we have at our disposal. Though it's worth saying that any good gardener should water the plants, which he depends on, to eat. Oh, that's so cute, Glenn. <laughs> the, the second book is a fairly dry read about the importance of building and disassembling spacecraft in orbit instead of in atmosphere. Damn, I'm a man of many interests. Okay, well, okay. All right, so that's the tablets. Let's take a look at the kitchen, then. Anything noticeable besides maybe a layer of dust? Uh, it is mostly stocked with easy-to-reheat meals and protein shakes. Anything that was, you know, quick to eat. The only things of note are a variety of novelty mugs, many of which you recognize as having been part of corporate council gift baskets in the past. Okay. Uh, won't be needing those, Hex says, as he realizes he already has most, <laughs> most of those. Uh, okay, so kitchen, let's go to the cork board then, or the connection board. Great. The connection board bears semi-redacted notes on your search for Warehouse 27D. It seems Glint latched onto some of the information that you gave him and was trying to work through it on his own time. His operating theory was that much of the information was in fact junk, meant to obfuscate the true information and instead was trying to find a pattern in the madness of redirection, recycling records, and shipping manifests that you yourself have tried trawling through. 
And he actually did seem to narrow it down somewhat, provided his information was correct. Um, and you will actually gain two ticks in that clock oh, because shit. of this. Okay. Hex starts uh, taking some phone photos of this just in case something happens in transit. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, cool. Now he he knows a little bit more. I guess tangibly, does that point us closer or should for now? Should I just assume that's just two ticks? Um, I it does, but you won't be able to act on anything. Until okay, it's full. cool, cool, cool. Uh, then Hex is happy with his find. Uh, and then makes his way to the bedroom, kind of making sure Beppo isn't killing himself or choking on anything before going. <laughs> Little Beppo's doing great. All right, but um, he's he's sniffing around sadly. Damn, Hex give, goes and gives Beppo a few pets. Says, "I'm sorry, buddy." It's rough. Okay, you are in the bedroom. Um, just general bed bedroom notes is that it is a pretty basic bedroom nightstand. There is a physical folder of paper on the bed um the bed has not been made actually no the bed would have been made he's the type to make his bed every morning what a what a put together young lad and there is another bippo bed in here that is like affixed to the bed frame itself so it will fall off that's pretty sick uh hex makes note to have whoever he's helping move glint stuff uh detach that so he can have that in his own place and so that leaves you with the, the paperwork and the closet. Okay, let's take a look at the paperwork first. Sure. Uh, it is a collection of paperwork outlining the leadership structure of the corporate council, as well as the order of succession and votes which have put those directors in place. A number of entries have been crossed out and circled, but Glint seems to have been keeping close tabs on this. His notes are shorthand and difficult to parse, but after a bit of concentration, his main point becomes rather clear, and that is that September Bluth has a has a staggeringly good chance at being elected chair of the corporate council. His actions internally, as well as through the Dusklights, have curried extensive favor with the resource extraction interests on the planet, and they make up the majority of the remaining voter base for the uh, directors. Uh, luckily for you, council elections aren't due for another five years, which would be well after the conflict ends, provided nobody resigns. Interesting. Who's the current lead right now? Like, what do I know about them if they're part of that chart? His name is Jack Johnson. Jack the Slack Johnson. Damn. And what does Hex know about him? Like, is he old? Like, should he be worried about this guy potentially retiring soon is kind of the big question. He's He's been here since the start of basically anything. He kind of established the whole ecosystem of the corporate council's relationship with the denizens of the planet uh, when they came in. When the clusterist first got here, he used to be a clusterist himself. He's probably like 80, which for someone of his means is pretty young. You can live pretty long if you have the money. From what you know, just from politics in general, he doesn't seem keen on uh, retiring anytime soon. Okay, well, that's good. Hex isn't too worried then, but uh, he kind of catalogs uh, Glint's notes in case they might be useful. How about in the closet? The closet is filled with birthday gifts for the next fiscal year. Each one is labeled and individualized with its own wrapping paper. Um, your name is here as well. Uh, it's a small package about the size of a large book, but heavier. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, Hex keeps that to open that on his birthday, but any other names he'd recognize in the pile? 
Yeah, I guess Bluth is here. Um, probably uh, Jack Jack Johnson, the leader of the corporate council, is probably here. Uh, Director Jermaine, Nyla, probably. Okay, Hex, after this, is going to take these back and still send them to their original recipients. Cool. What a nice guy. Just a little, a little note, you know? I mean, what's he going to do with these anyways? Yeah. So he'll, he'll make sure to note who it's from and <laughs> that he knows it's not their birthday, but uh, <laughs> this is just a uh, Glint meant to send that. When is your birthday? Uh... Let's do Glint's birthday. I don't know. Do they use the same calendar? Like, I mean, I, I would just say, do you, is your birthday soon? Is Hex's? Yeah. Let's pretend it's the following week from this visit. Sure. Um, then, yeah, just keep that in mind. You have this, this gift. Actually, you know what? Hex doesn't feel bad. He opens it early. <laughs> okay. It's, it's next week. Come on. Inside is a wooden box. Which very well made, intricately designed, um, and it has the mm-hmm. name of a weapons company on it. Interesting. Uh, do I know the weapons company name, like in character, or uh, have I heard of them? How I guess how how familiar are you with guns in general? I mean, at this point, Hex is very familiar. Yeah, but what about gun culture? You know, <laughs> uh, less so. Because like, if I if I said to you, do you know what an AK forty seven is? You would say yes. But if I was like, do you know Springfield Armory and what they make? <laughs> um, I see. Okay, somewhere high level like that. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a something like, I don't have a name for this company, but it is, it is a fancy one. Inside is a top-of-the-line handgun, uh, fully analog, no smart triggers or stabilizers at all. Uh, and beside it is an empty magazine and an ornate uh, box full of caseless 6.8 by 30 millimeter punch and pop ammunition uh, and engraved along the slide of the pistol are the ever familiar words amount due amount due what would hex know these words from i'm blanking right now they're at the bottom of every invoice ever (laughs) received in the history of man (laughs) i like it i like it okay hex hex smiles at the gift uh and just because I, the out-of-character controller, am not familiar. How big is 6.8 by 30? Uh, it is larger for a handgun. <laughs> so, like, What's the a 9mm is yeah. 9 by 17. So this is thinner, but longer. So this is basically, uh, think of, like, a 5.7. Okay. Uh, it's ar- like armor-piercing ammunition. Dang. Well, that's fancy. But this particular type of ammo is, <laughs> it's called punch and pop because it explodes once it enters its target. Oh, shit. Okay. In universe, would Hex, like, have any knowledge as to what this is good for? Dylan. Like, could it, could it pierce the hole of anything or, like, go through a wall, so to speak? I could go through body armor, but it would not, and go through body armor, go through a wall, it would not go through, like, okay, a frame. Okay, sweet. That, that's more what I'm wondering. All right. Wow. That's, what a nice gift. And uh, last place, Hex wanted to check, under the bed. Uh, under the bed. It's under the bed. I think he keeps his shoes under the bed. Wow. How neat and organized. And I guess looking at any of the walls, what is Hexy? Are they just plain? More, like, reminders in general. Maybe some, like, one of those hang-in-there cat posters. <laughs> that's cute. Okay. 
But with like a Bippo type dog. Well, then with the stuff that Hex deems valuable in tow, uh, he goes and picks up Bippo and it just notes the things for the uh, movers to come get out. Sure. Uh, as you approach the door, you hear a knock. Oh, shit. Okay. He goes and answers it. Your, your friend is there, Tesco Long. Oh, shit. Long time no see. And she kind of like hurries into the room Hex and closes, closes the, the door behind her. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and she beat me to it. Her face is a, a mixture of emotions. Uh, she looks at kind of you, your arm, Glint's apartment, little Bippo. And she's like trapped somewhere between like anger, pity, and grief. Um, she says, Harold, I just wanted to check if you made any progress on that project. I'm working on it. Have had uh, other things to attend to in the meantime, though. He kind of gestures around the room. How'd you know I was here today? I followed you. Hex kind of curses himself for not paying attention. It's okay. I, uh, I've been keeping an eye on the news lately. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you've heard what happened. I've heard a lot of things that have happened, Harold. I've heard about who was responsible for them as well. So have you come here to berate me or? No. I've I've got bad news for you. Go on. First is that the daughter of the most powerful media mogul in the Soul Union died in your attack alongside, you know, all those other people. Uh, second is that someone got their hands on real definitive evidence of who was involved in that attack. I'm not sure what kind of evidence, but I think you may have a leak. And the third is that Peacekeeper HQ back on Earth is sending people here to arrest we don't know who, but it sounds like multiple people. Um, so either the Moon Devils or the leadership or your squad. Um, but I would say that you and the leader of the Moon Devils are definitely targets here. So in a month or so, there's a high chance this whole operation will be gutted or at the very least your squad will need to look for replacements for your role. Interesting. I'd ask if you knew more, but I have a feeling this is all you got to say, right? Yeah, it's a courtesy. And if you were anyone else, and I didn't know how good you were at your job, I wouldn't even be speaking to you right now after what you did, orders or not. But I hope that the information I've given you that you've been working on is bigger than this. It, it seems bigger, at least. From what I could tell, what you gave me is really important, but unfortunately I don't have more answers yet. So it sounds like we have a month, though. You have a month. Where have you been? I've been hiding. Trying to figure out if uh, anyone's after me. I'm pretty sure I'm in the clear, but... My uh, a lot of my contacts were in fact in the crater. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I appreciate I appreciate the courtesy. Yeah, just uh, I don't know. Good luck. Um, 
If you need a good recommendation for a legal advocate, I know some people. But uh Hopefully it doesn't come to that. I knew they need a fall guy, but we'll we'll see where the dominoes fall. Alright, Harold. Well, thanks for the uh career help you've given me in the past, but I think this may be the last time we speak to each other. I think so too. He kinda pets Beppo. <laughs> <laughs> she extends her hand after some thinking for a handshake. Is is it clear that she's up to something? Like if Hex looks at it? <laughs> she's not up to anything. She's just unsure of whether she wants to shake your hand. Okay, yeah, Hex shakes it. Yeah. She kind of gives you a nod and says, uh, sorry about your friend, and leaves. Loyal. It starts again with a dream. This time you know right away that it is a dream. You are sitting atop a transmission tower of some sort, one you recognize as being on the outskirts of Brea City, kind of near the eastern walls. Ahead and beneath you is a vast ocean of blood, on top of which scattered pieces of the city and countless bodies float. Waves resonate from a single point in the center of this ocean, splashing up against the walls beneath you in rhythm. On either side of you are the two figures from your past dream, a fleshy, blood-filled version of your exopod on your left, and on your right, a bloodied figure wearing the red wire crown of martyrdom. Uh, Right now, it is still wearing the face of Geist. Is this where I do something? Are they waiting for me? They are, I guess, waiting for you. Waiting for me to do what? I feel like Sunlift's tired even in his dreams now. He's just like, if you're going to show me something, fucking do it. I think they both turn towards you and their voices come out in sync. But there's something different about their voices now. Clearer, more eloquent, like a strong signal from somewhere else. And they say to you, All of the horrors so far have been ripples flowing back in time from a single fixed moment. Who are you? Where are you from? We are martyrdom. How did you get here? We have always been here. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, the concept of martyrdom has always been here, is here, Um, needs to be passed on to Geist. For some reason, I guess Sunlith just hangs out (laughs) in this dream for a bit and says, what will happen after Geist is made the next martyr? Each king is powerful. Immutable. Immutable. Their strength is equal to their sacrifice. There is nothing to fear. So, what? Geist is just going to get powers and do something with them? And what is it that you plan to do? They, I guess, kind of look back out towards the blood ocean. 
and they don't answer you, but the tides of the ocean reverse. And at the center where the waves meet, the ocean begins to lift into the sky uh, faster and faster. This column of blood, which is dragging bodies and rubble back up into the air, into space. Uh, the tower you are sitting on begins to collapse. The figures beside you lay their hands on your back and they say to you, Build, build the, the crown. crown. As the entire structure is pulled into the blood. Everything goes red, and then you wake up. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I feel like it's like a slow waking up this time. There's no thrashing anymore. It's just this, like, very, very tired waking up with the realization that every clusterus they continue to kill fuels this god of martyrdom because they are all being martyrs for their cause and then bad shit will happen because some fucked up god will be real anyways this is what Sunless is thinking about but in some type of eloquent dolphin thoughts that I can't <laughs> say to you right now. Uh, today you have a meeting with Maze. How does Sunmouth feel about that? Um, is it common knowledge that <laughs> when a lot of clusterists die that they all feel it through their psychic connection? There is limited knowledge on this uh -huh. phenomenon. You could try to find some, but being an empath yourself and feeling what you felt, yeah. you would not be surprised if Maze felt something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows. He has to get her this information about trying to get her off this planet, off this world. But he feels like there's no way in hell that she's going to take him up on that offer now. Or maybe it will have felt so bad that she'll want to leave. But he's not really betting on that last one. I think he's gonna just, for the first time, okay, it's probably not for the first time, but he's gonna try to shield his emotions much more than he has been doing before in his talks with Maze. Sure, he has some empath training on being able to psychically communicate with people while kind of partitioning off parts of himself. Oh yeah, I'm sure you have, as a psychic, you are intimately trained on how to make it one way. Oh yeah, he's compartmentalizing the fuck out of everything right now. He's like, I have to go tell her <laughs> this news. There's no other way to get it to her. I'm going to go in there, tell her, and presumably have something thrown at him and then leave. <laughs> so that's his plan. Sure. Uh, when you arrive, one of the guards uh, pulls you aside and he says, uh, hey, the kid isn't eating 
and she attacked one of our guys, broke his nose. He gave her a bit of a beating. We we pulled him off before it got too far, but uh, she's been patched up, and, uh, well, I just thought you should know. What happened to this soldier? Was he reprimanded? Uh, n- no, of course not. He was defending himself. Uh-huh. I think <laughs> Sun just doesn't respond to this. He just keeps going. Right. You get to her cell. Um, she's still in the nice cell. She is curled up in the corner of her bed, staring at the wall. You can see from this angle that some bandages have been applied to her face, and she has like a flexible splint on her wrist. Jeez. Um, when I look around the room, what else do I see? There's an untouched plate of food. There is, I think maybe her like keyboard or whatever you use as a keyboard in current year has been like broken. Uh, I think you see on the wall, there is a blood spot where she had broken her wrist on the wall. You don't know this, but that is where it is. The little fish shaped blood splatter. Hmm. I see. What's her brain like right now? You're gonna have to roll for that one. Oh, Unless you have yes, some sort I of am. ability. But uh, this is gonna be a controlled standard roll. Partial success. Uh, she is in a bad place. Mm-hmm. She is clearly she is a you know she is aware of your presence. For sure. Um, There's like waves of kind of confusion and pain coming off of her. You do glean that she is perhaps aware that a lot of people died. Uh, She she knows for sure that uh, the feeling you get is like a mixture of like both someone who I think is a hero died as well as a lot of people who maybe I didn't know, but who are, like, my people died. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, like, dual-wielding dual grief presently. Um, and I don't think she says anything to you. Yeah. <sighs> oh, and your consequence is that I'm going to put you in a risky position. I'm going to get my dolphin nose broken. My rostrum. Is there any room in her mind, in her dual grief, for her to, like, have Sunlith be there just, like, as a small presence, small, like, alternate feeling in her mind of, I want to get you off this planet. I am sorry. As he would open with that, just something nonverbal, just as gentle as he can. That I think that would be another role. Is what I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you want to be able to say, here's another al- alternative, that would definitely be a sway. Yeah, he doesn't want to say anything out loud yet, or even just go straight into psychic communication, because a maze is fragile right now, and volatile, more so than she has probably ever been before. Before you roll, are you in the room with her? Yeah. 
Okay. Another partial success. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a t- five and a two. Okay. I think you... I have the wrong document open. Okay. It would be this feeling of protectiveness, almost, but also just overshadowed by the fact that he knows he can't protect her at all from the things she is experiencing, and that's just only going to get worse. Yeah, I think... You have a clock for this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put one tick. I'm going to be a little bit more liberal with clocks coming into the end game. I'm going to give you a tick mm-hmm. and convince Mace to leave the planet for this. But I think as you kind of reach out to, to give this impression to her, um, you feel... If we're going to use like a metaphor for like... You're trying to like keep it one way a certain amount. Trying to kind of creep in and place the idea in her head. Um, mm-hmm. Then... She is grabbing you in that space, in that like empathetic space, and is throwing you headfirst into her own mind. And it's like a bad part of it. Like Mm -hmm. you feel her not screaming at you, but she's telling you and asking you, like, what did you do? Like, I felt him die. I felt you there. He was a good man, a righteous man, and you killed him. And then afterwards, and her mind just kind of like, kind of fractures and frizzles. And that is where you get caught, just like fully immersed, no barrier grief. You have lost like a nearly religious figure, someone who has fought for your cause for years like someone people looked up to someone who's always kind someone you met um who was nice to you who inspired you um you see her thinking of uh, another virtue she has met as, as well someone she was actually very close to who is chaser midway the pilot of attachment um and you get some feelings of that like who's next who will you kill next and then imagining all those people who drown and then she's imagining the people in the city where she grew up drowning that same death and in all of this you are her and yet you see yourself standing above the water to looking down like without a care in the world and like that's how she sees you and that's how you see yourself and you will take the level two harm lost and thus i resist that mm-hmm with something on my character sheet. I want to say that he is embroiled in this, but then attempts to call on his military empath training to sever this connection and sure. go back into his own mind. This is a resolve resist. <clears throat> Ooh, zero stress. Look at you. I'm um, so stress-free. It's great. Yes, so I will... <laughs> uh, I'm going to have that harm just completely removed. And... You you feel this. How do you get yourself out? Like, what is what does that visualization look like? It just looks like this giant wall of water, like this massive waterfall, somehow just materializing between where he and Maze are and this mind space. And there's just this deafening roar 
of the waterfall hitting the water surface as they can no longer see or hear each other, and then he goes back into his own mind. Hell yeah. We love water. We love water. Yeah, you you are released from this place. You you swim out. You swim out of this place um, as like the sound of rumbling water leaves your ears, and you're just back there. She is still facing the wall. And still, like, all he feels right now is just this immeasurable sadness of this is a child. This is a child. This is not her fault. This is a child. And just, like, part of him is, like, very small part. What is thinking to himself? What kind of life will she ever lead outside of war? Can this be helped? Can she ever be happy again? And just pushes that away, as one does, to catastrophizing spiraling thoughts, if they are a trained empath. And he doesn't try to communicate with her psychically anymore. Wait, are there still recording devices in here? Uh, yeah. Fuck, okay. God, he still has to tell her something. Which means he has to go back in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything that he can do? Type of mantra, <laughs> meditation, empath thing. To, like, give him a little extra armor <laughs> in this situation going back in there to talk to her. You're... It sounds like... To me, like you're either asking if you can push yourself or want a devil's bargain. I want to push myself. Don't give me any more devil's bargains. Don't give me more devil's bargains. <laughs> okay, so you're going to take two more stress to mm -hmm. do this. Okay. Yeah, you kind of strain yourself. What do you do? The only message he's trying to get to her with words in her mind, because he hasn't done that yet, is... I can get you off this planet. And like, that's, that's it. Not like, if you want it, not anything else. It's like, I can get you out of here. Okay. Plus one D. A three, a four, and a two. That's another partial success. We're partial today, folks. We are partial today. Yes, you try to just like, like pushing away something you don't want. Like, just like shove that, that message in there. So that you can just see it and then you can get out without making this any worse than it yep. already is. Um, but the thing with partial success is that it was only partial. <laughs> Here's what I'll give you mm -hmm. uh, as your partial success. You push this message in there and you feel she's fast. <laughs> she's fast. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, she has been... You feel like it's... You know, when you first met her, she did some fairly insane maneuvers just as a a child soldier um mm -hmm. and she is must have been trained in some way as an empath because she just jumps on you um and you feel concerningly like that she might be able to do some real harm to you here she wants to hurt you um in this space and as she gets ready to do that you see a hand on her shoulder. This 
it looks different um, than you've seen it before. Uh, you usually see this <laughs> this appearance on uh, a figure of Geist wearing the crown, but this one, it is her. Like another version of her with a red metal crown over her head, holding herself back and just looking at you. And I think that version of martyrdom looks at you kind of peacefully and just gives you a knowing look like you know what you need to do and pulls her back leaving her with that message leaving her with martyrdom cool cool shit all right this happens and someone gets out of there physically physically gets out of there out of the room with out a second glance. <laughs>